Hey, so I've got a joke for you. Okay. Why did the Invisible Man turn down the job offer? I don't know why. Well, he couldn't see himself doing it. <sighs> okay, I'll give that one a four out of ten. A four out of ten. I probably should accept that. I don't know if I'm ever going to get higher than a four out of ten on the. It's a good. It's, the, you can only go up or down. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's true. Yep. I'm gonna have to think about that one for a while. But there's no way you can do better. Well, recently I came home. Wait, are you telling a joke now, or are you telling a story? I don't know. Uh, so recently I came home and I noticed that the toilet wasn't working. And when I looked inside, I saw that there was a wooden shoe in there because the toilet was clogged. That was a I know. truly putrid joke. Truly. Wait, I still don't know if it was a story, though. So because I'm not clear if it's a story or a joke... I'm going to split the difference and say it's a three. Because if it had been a joke, it was a two. If it had been a story, maybe a four. So we'll go with a three. If it, I feel like if it was a true story, it should rank higher. Because that would be a very strange thing to happen to someone. Although we both have small children. Right. So. If there was a shoe in a toilet, that yeah, happens every day. Right. That's just all day long. All right. Anyway, enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome to the very first episode of Withy Windle. A show part book club, part nonsense. This is a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and groan-worthy jokes, as you can tell from our beginning, featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show, and it's your weekly adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. I'm Graham Pittman. We've known each other for a while. Uh, but forever, I think. True. We've had many adventures together. Yep. When I say forever, I think literally forever. We've, I can't remember... You've, enjoyed, you've liked our friendship so much that it seems like it's been forever. No, I think it has been forever. Oh, you like literally I, think it's been literally forever. I'm pretty sure. Like, I remember you and I walking around the pyramids when they were being built. Are you, are you thinking Charlemagne? of the same? You remember Charlemagne? He's a good guy. Are you thinking of the same person? Are you sure that was me? Yes, it was, it was definitely you. You and I, dinosaurs, this isn't ringing a bell? Not ringing a bell, but maybe over the next eight weeks of this podcast, you can jog my memory and we can, you know, recall some stories together. Okay. It's been at least 15 years, possibly forever, that we've <laughs> known each other. Well, here on this podcast, we're going to discuss books, words. We're going to talk to great authors. We're going to ask questions that have been sent in by some of our listeners. This is a podcast for kids who love books. Were you a kid who loved books too, Graham? Uh, yeah, definitely was. What about you? I definitely was. Do you remember the first book that you ever read? Of course not, since it was forever ago. Uh, <laughs> it was like before the Civil War. But let me let me let me come back to more recent times. Let's say like 1989, okay. or, or something around Which, there. For most of our listeners, is is forever, forever ago. ago, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, I remember being read to a lot, and I remember besides the kind uh, George of, Washington. Uh, <laughs> no, probably, but curious George. Uh, you, you you you. <laughs> Curious George Washington was reading to you at the pyramids. That, yeah, that's a book right there. Curious, Curious George, George Washington, Washington goes to the pyramids. It, goes it the, is. It is. Yeah, Can you imagine like the this. trouble that a Curious George Washington mashup could have caused at the pyramids? In fact, yeah. if he had gone, we might not have the pyramids. Just spreading democracy everywhere he goes. There'd be a lot of things that'd be different. Anyway, mm -hmm. what were you saying? Uh, so, yeah, I remember being read to a lot. I wouldn't say I was a voracious reader, but I really liked books. And probably uh, age 10, 11, 12 is when I really started 
kind of reading a lot. So I would read Star Wars books. Uh, I would read those illustrated classics. I'm mm-hmm. sure you you remember those. That I think they're still producing them. So Invisible Man. Yeah, the ones where uh, they had like a picture on one page and the writing on the other. Yeah, because yeah. I remember that was like, I mean. I remember reading The Three Musketeers. I remember that one too. And it's it's the the perfect picture of the flashlight under the covers. But yeah, my parents would give me time at night, and the only thing I could do was either go to bed or read for a certain amount of time. So, so you wisely chose read, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you? What was the first books you remember? The first book I remember reading to myself that I remember reading to myself. I don't know that for sure that this is the first book I read to myself was Farmer Boy by Laura Ingalls Wilder from the Little House in the Prairie series. Mm-hmm. My mom gave me a nice hardcover copy, which I think I still have somewhere, although it's probably not so nice anymore. And she wrote Happy Birthday in it, and I think it was my sixth birthday. So it was the first book that was like my own, the first nice book. And I remember my grandpa was over at the house and he was buzzing my brother's head. I remember sitting on the couch and I have this memory of the clippers, you know, like the shearing clippers, because my brother was a sheep. And I remember hearing that shearing happening while curled up on the couch reading. That's that's amazing. But then I don't remember anything else I've read since then. It's funny how memories are tied like that. To, yeah, so well, I mean, when your brother's getting shorn, it, you know, right. memorable instance. Yeah. But we did make a fortune on his coat that year. <laughs> uh, when you were mentioning Clippers, I was wondering if it was going to be the basketball team, the ship, or... Uh... Well, those are closely related things. Yeah. Kids, look up two words already. We have two words for you. Voracious and Clipper. And David. That's true. You could look up the word David. Be careful, though. <laughs> All right, what what's what nonsense is next? We'll just kind of explain the show. So, well, hold on. This is my first real time on a podcast, and I'm not quite sure what the procedure is here. Can I? I mean, let's just tell the kids out there we prepared really well for this. We've got gummy bears, we've got chips, we've got uh, n- what are those? Nutty, nutty, nutty buddies. buddies. We got root beer. I've got every coffee. mom. Every mom listening to this podcast just turned it off. <laughs> We've got uh, <laughs> mints. So can I just stuff my face as I'm talking? What, what are we talking I mean, about? I, or I think, do I just have to look at this food? I mean, I think what we'll do is as you're stuffing your face, I'll make sure to take some pictures and we'll post those pictures on social media so everyone can <laughs> see what it looks like when your face is All full right, of, I'm regretting this bit. Yeah, I'm I'm regretting regretting it. <laughs> well, we're going to have a great time. The next eight weeks is going to be season one of this podcast, and we are going to do a whole bunch of fun stuff. We're going to talk, as we said, with some great writers. Today on the first episode, we have our friend... S.D. Smith. He, we, we call him Sam because S.D. is kind of a weird first name, so I don't really know how to, how to do that, so I just call him Sam. Yeah. It just seems, seems weird. Don't try to call him Sammy. Don't kind of call him Sammy. Yeah. He'll come through the computer at you. Mm, we did experience that earlier. It's a long arm of the law. So we're here to discuss book stuff, word stuff. Each episode is going to interview an author, a children's book author, but we're also going to talk about a book. So we'll get to that in just a minute. We're going to introduce that book, but we kind of wanted to just tell you about the next eight weeks. There's going to be eight of these episodes. This is the first of eight. That's going to be season one. Hopefully, if you like it. You'll have us back for a second season, another batch of eight episodes. So, David, do you think we should tell people where the name of this podcast came from? Withy Windle. Why Withy Windle? I mean, do we have to? I kind of don't mind people living in a fog of mystery and doubt. Yeah, I suppose I don't either. And it's your prerogative. Ooh, good word. We should look that one out. Look that one out. We're making a long list at this point. 
I, you know, I wanted to give you the option. I didn't know right. how generous you were feeling. I, I guess we should because we want people to. Well, we want people to like this podcast and not be confused. So I, I guess we probably should explain it. Would you? Do you know? I do know. I know because we spent eight hours trying to figure out the name for this podcast. <laughs> that that is a very good point. All right. So Withy Wendell comes from a book. Which book is it? It comes from The Fellowship of the Ring, book one of The Lord of the Rings. By J.R.R. Tolkien. Hey, do you know what J.R.R. Tolkien, like the initials in his name stood for? I do know that. Do is you know that? <laughs> Jameson Robertson Robertson? That's Yes, exactly. Jameson Robertson Robertson Tolkien? It's John... John Ron- John Ronald Rule. No, I'm not saying it. Isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I can never do it. I shouldn't have even tried. Rule is like the worst. John Ronald Rule Tolkien. It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. John just Ronald like- Rule. I can see why he went by J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Although he could have just gone by John, John Tolkien. But what fun is that? Yeah, not, not fun. Okay, so the name of this podcast is from that book. But what do you mean it's from that book? Like, where does it show up in that book? It shows up in the old forest where Tom Bombadil and Goldberry live. And Tom Bombadil and Goldberry are two characters that the Hobbits, our main characters, ran across, basically, as they were on their adventure. Yeah. And they offered a safe haven. They did, yeah. And their house was next to the Withywindle, which is a, a landmark of some sort. That's natural. Maybe we should leave a little mystery. It's true. Go look it up. Go read Maybe the book. Maybe if you just flow on over to whatever device is nearest by you could ask your parents to help you find out what kind of natural yeah thing withy windle is flow on over to the device and sync on into um Ooh. the google Ooh. that great sea of <laughs> of it's, information <laughs> it's a river it's a river did you get it was that we, we might want to slow down on the jokes do you think we need to slow down Nope. All right. What's next? Before we go any further, let's talk about how people can get in touch. Okay. So before we go any further, let's talk about how people can get in touch yeah, with us. They may need to give us feedback about how annoying this podcast is. Yeah, absolutely. Without question. But <laughs> they also might have questions. That's true. For the different authors that we have coming up, or they might want to submit a joke. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to have a special contest and they'll be able to email us with their answers to that contest to win some prizes. So it's very important that you know how to get in touch with us if you'd like to interact with the show or complain. I think we should set up an email address. What do you think about that? I like it. So here at Goldberry Books, which is where we're recording right now, it's part of Goldberry Studios, we have an at goldberrybooks.com website, which means that we can come up with an email address that gets attached to at goldberrybooks.com. And we need to decide what email address to put at the front of that. So I was thinking people should email us with their ideas for the email name. Yeah, it's not going to work. Why not? It's not going to work. Why not? You need it's the, a great idea. It's genius. I think it's a genius idea. All right. We're going to make that email address withywindle at goldberrybooks.com. Now, here's the question. Is it too long? With Windle. <laughs> mm. W at goldberrybooks.com. Okay, withywindle at goldberrybooks.com it is. David at goldberrybooks.com. <laughs> I don't know. This isn't that difficult. We should be able to figure this out fast. Withywindle is difficult to say and difficult to write. So we, we picked a great name. So how about, what if we do this? We're talking on a podcast, right? That's the, the medium that we're talking on right now. Wait, what'd you say? We're talking on a podcast right now? Podcast. Let's do podcast. Podcasts. Because we're going to have a lot of podcasts. Okay, so then are you saying podcasts at goldberrybooks.com? 
Is that your suggestion? That is my suggestion. Let's do that. Okay. All right, let's do that. That is, in fact, my demand. Okay. Oh, well, that's the end of that conversation then. So if you want to complain about Graham's demands, or you want to give us some feedback, or you want to answer a question or participate in a contest, email us at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. All right. We just solved a great problem right there. It only took us like six hours. Perfect. David, did you hear that noise? Yep, that's the noise that means it's time for a new segment. And that's a segment in which you and I are going to be discussing what? A book. Which book in particular? The Railway Children by E. Nesbitt. Now, this is a classic book, and we're going to spend the next seven weeks reading it. This is a book that has 14 chapters. And so each week, we're going to read two chapters. Now, we're not going to read them on the air. We're going to read them before the episode, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So it's kind of like a little book club. But before we do that, we wanted to tell you a little bit about this book that we're going to be reading over the next seven weeks. So, Graham, if you would, put on your teacher hat here and help us understand a little bit about this book. It's written by Inez, but what year was it written? This book was written in, uh, well, it was published in 1906. So obviously sometime before that. It was written sometime before that, but it was published in magazines before that in what's called a serialized fashion serialized serialized like breakfast food well you wouldn't want to put milk on this type of cereal no wouldn't taste very good no it'd be a terrible breakfast i wonder how much nourishment is in paper anyway that's a different conversation for a different day so what does that mean though that means that this book was published in segments and probably chapters or what ended up Mm. to be chapters in a magazine probably you know once a month coming out people would get excited for their magazine to come in the mail to finish the story. And that is how they read this book. Then the next year it was published, put between two hard covers, as they say, and so, sold as a book. So this book was originally published in a magazine. Do we know which magazine? Oh, uh, yes, we do. Uh, let me just pull it up on my uh, fancy device here. The London Magazine. So sometime before 1906, it was published a bit at a time in the London Magazine. It was published in the magazine the year before, 1905. So, So I guess now that we're talking about this, it was published sort of how we're going to read it. So we could imagine ourselves being kids or readers in 1905, only getting access to a couple of chapters at a time. And that's how we're going to read it on the show. That's perfect. Yeah, exactly. So for next week, then that means that all of our listeners, you guys should read the first two chapters because we're going to talk about those two chapters just a little bit at a time for 15 minutes or so before we get to each week's interview with the author. And being that this was published in the London magazine, does this give you any clues as to the country in which this book comes from? Kentucky. Close. England. Tennessee. Oh. England. Oh, well, yeah, that, that does make sense. Now that and what about that. the author's name, E. Nesbitt? Any ideas? So like S.D. Smith, she doesn't have a full name? She has a full name. She chooses to go by one letter. So Sam chooses to go by two. I don't know who he thinks he is. Yeah, hoity-toity much. I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien has, has three, three, right? Extra but he deserves it. But true. He did write the Lord Sam of the Sam thinks he deserves two. Right. When only time will tell. And then E. So what was He's what did E one. stand for? What What do you think? Um, Incorrect. It eighth. was... Eighth? Eighth. Eighth. <laughs> so he's like, they name, okay, they named them one, first, second, no, third. one, tooth. <laughs> Imagine being named Tooth Nesbit. <laughs> Her name was Edith. Edith Nesbit. Okay. Edith Nesbit. So she was writing this in the early 1900s. When was she born? She was born in 15. <laughs> she also lived forever. <laughs> in 1858. And then when did she die? Or is she still alive? 
Well, it says here that she died in 1924. I can't confirm it. You know, we'll never know. It's the internet. She, she, yeah, we'll never know. So she could be still alive is what you're saying. Yep. Theoretically. Still publishing, you know, her serials. So she wrote other stuff too. She wrote a lot of stuff. I believe she wrote a lot of children's books. For example, I remember when I was a little kid reading her books and there were a few things like five children and it. And, and what else? Were there any other titles that, that you remember from her? I remember the enchanted castle. Oh yeah. Uh, you said five children and it. Yeah. I think that was the only other one I remember. Let's just look down this list here. I think the story of the treasure seekers is another one that, that she did. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that one. Phoenix and the carpet, the story of the amulet. So those are all in kind of the same series. So yeah, she did write a lot uh, of children's books and then it looks like she has some novels for adults as well. And I'm not familiar with this book. I, I've never read it. Have and I haven't, oh, not since I was a kid. I think it was read to me, but it's a classic. It, and you know, when people, whenever this books get brought up, my mind immediately thinks of the boxcar children. Mm, yeah, which I bet a lot of our listeners have, have read the yeah. boxcar children. So here's the deal. What you're going to need to do then, guys, is you're going to need to get a copy of the Railway Children, maybe from the library or a local bookstore or listen to the Audible version or something like that. And the great thing about Audible, of course, is you can... Listen along, you know, when you're in the car with your, with your whole family. Um, and then we're going to talk about the first two chapters. So that gives you one week from now. So that's one, two, three, four, five, seven days. There's seven days a week still, right? They haven't changed it. Seven. 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 Yeah. Not eighth. Not eighth. Okay. Seven or days. Tooth. You, <laughs> you have somewhere between tooth and eighth days for the first two chapters of the Railway Children. And we're going to dive into that just like you know, diving into the withy window. We're going to dive into discussing those two chapters. And what, what, what are we going to discuss? What we liked? Well, we might discuss what we liked. We might was discuss some of the characters. Maybe we should ask our kids some questions about it and see if, what answers they come up with. Or maybe they have Between questions Between us, we do us. have several children. Yep. So, yeah. And if you have questions for us as, as listeners, you can shoot us an email to, to that email address that we decided, podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your feedback and hear some of your thoughts about this, this really fun book. All right. On to the next nonsense. Well, as we've said, each episode, we are going to be interviewing, having a discussion with a really great author of children's books. Here on the first episode, we're going to talk to somebody who's a good friend of ours, Sam Smith, also known as S.D. Smith. And you know him as the author of the Green Ember series which is a best-selling middle-grade adventure saga. Raise your hand if you have heard of this series out there in the podcast sphere. We're both raising our hands. The Green Ember has reached... How many people do you think it's reached? Mm. You had to guess. At least a kajillion. At least a kajillion. Maybe 129,000. Is that at least a kajillion? No, I changed my answer. Oh, okay. Well, it says here, and this could be wrong. It could be a kajillion. We can't verify. We'll never know. The Green Ember has reached hundreds of thousands of readers, and it's also spent time as, get this, the number one best-selling audiobook in the world on Audible. Wait, say that that again. The number one best-selling audiobook in the world on Audible. Not the tooth, not the eighth, the number one. The one-th. The one-th. The one-th best-selling audiobook in the world. He did it. He got the one spot. What a legend. That's actually, I can't believe that. I'm, I'm actually having trouble, like, that's sinking in. You're actually astounded. Yes. You are stupefied. Good job, S.D. Smith. His stories are captivating readers around the globe who are hungry for what they call new stories with an old soul. 
enthusiastic families can't get enough of these tales. Vintage adventure, moral imagination, classic virtue, finally stories we all love. Just one more chapter, please. That's what people are saying. When he's not writing adventurous tales of rabbits with swords in his writing shed, which he calls The Forge, great name for a shed. I need a shed called The Forge. My shed has tools in it and other knickknacks. What do you call it? Let's come up with a name. How about The Shed? Podcasts at (laughs) goldberrybooks.com. Please name, give me a name for my shed. I will make a sign and put it on there. It's metal. It's kind of sad looking. If it's, you give me a happy name. All right. Anyway, let's go back to Sam. Yeah, we probably should. Sam, he loves to speak to audiences about storytelling, imagination, and seeing yourself as a character in the story. Sam hails, another good word, Mm. from West Virginia, Mm. not East Virginia, not North or South, West, with his wife and four children. We, of course, have been to... Mr. Smith's house. And to the forge. And to the forge. And he is a delightful person. And the conversation that we had was a delightful conversation. I absolutely agree. And we're very excited to share this interview with you. Let's go. So the very first guest here on the podcast is a man who goes by his, he goes by initials. And if I've learned anything about books, it's that if you go by initials, you're a big deal. Yeah, that seems true. C.S. Lewis. J.K. Rowling. J.R. Tolkien. C.S. Forrester? Dr. Seuss? Never mind. That was a good try. I I was impressed you got two. (laughs) Yeah, I got lost there. Because doctor is D-R in short. Yeah. So I don't think it really... Does it it count, though? No. Okay. All right. The one that we're talking to today, though, does his count? His counts. So S.D. Smith counts. It's not the same as Dr. Seuss. That's correct. Okay. His has two periods. So the periods are the thing that makes it. Okay. Maybe. So Dr. S.D. Smith is here, and we need you to weigh in on this, Dr. Smith. Do you go by the two initials because you figured that if you went by the two initials, you'd get more famous? Yes, that is the plan, and it's it works. I only wish I'd used more initials because I think that would have made me more and more famous. When you're at a convention, do kids come up to you and they say, Mr. S.D.? They do, yeah. What would happen if someone called you Sam? Would you know who they were talking to? You know, it, it's fun. I like this fantasy of, uh, you know, of avarice and, and uh, <laughs> ambition that you're, that you're laying out here. But the mm. truth is, it's, it is the opposite in that when people call me SD in person, I know that they don't know me. <laughs> so when they, when they call me Sam, then it's like, oh, yeah. Sometimes people act real familiar, like, hey, SD, we're, you know, we're, and, and like, well, if we were friends, then... You would not be calling me SD. Mm. Well, total pretension, total, total pretense. Uh, okay. Well, you've written a lot of books, the Green Number series and then and the extended Green Number universe. And we're going to talk about some of those books because, because you went by those initials, you now have people who are your fans. Uh, no, it's actually just because you wrote good books. But they sent in some questions. We have a bunch of questions from some young readers, but we have a question here. Graham, I believe you have a question before we get to the questions well, about kids. Well, I, I think we should lay out some of the ground rules for this. Yeah, that's probably, just in general, that's probably a good thing that we should do. No. Yeah. Sam, so we requested you bring two items to, uh, to the podcast. Can you tell us what those two items are? Uh, one was my first initial, and then the second was my second <laughs> initial, I think, if that's correct. Which oh, we set the bar. We set the bar very low. Uh, and then we asked you to bring two other ones. Are with you. Um, I have a piece of paper, and I have a pen. 
So with that piece of paper and pen, as we're talking here, we ask everyone that comes on the podcast to do a little doodle, if you will. Whilst we are talking. Whilst we are talking. And it's not just any doodle. These are doodles that have been submitted and randomly selected from our young listeners. Oh, the prompt has been the, selected? The prompt has, yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, try to, you know, clarity of language, Graham, please. No, you're not going to get any. <laughs> None of that here. Wrong podcast. Oh, okay. sorry, sorry. So the uh, submission for this interview comes from Rowan in North Carolina, and he would like Dr. Mr. S.D. Sam Smith to draw a bunny on Mars eating a carrot. Bunny Mars carrot. But I'm not sure if it's a Martian bunny eating mm. a Martian carrot. What does a Martian carrot even look like? I don't know. I'd love to find out. Could you tell us, Sam? But well, uh, yeah, you'll have to wait for the for the moving image here or the the still image i should say well that's what i mean can you use the image to reveal to us what a martian carrot might look like i can but give me a second you know i mean or this could have been an earthbound bunny Mm. who somehow found his way could be wearing a spacesuit yeah this sounds like a whole book series well he found his way to the red planet you know maybe he he stowed away on the the rover mission that just happened Mm. and you know how the videos were all those people in houston celebrating it's because martian rabbit touchdown that's mm-hmm. what they were all but they can't tell us that it's a secret yeah. so until he reveals it through his picture. so your choice there okay well, and we, like- we expect okay. this could be the next uh green ember series book cover mm-hmm. that kind of quality is what we're looking for that will happen for sure yes excellent so i yeah i like that it's a bunny and then so then you're like whoa hey get ready the bunny's on mars and then you're th- expecting like he's on Mars, but then he dials it back down, mm. you know, young Rowan and says carrot to mm. kind of, just says like, hey, let's not let this thing get out of hand. Exactly. I mean, he's on Mars, but he's still a rabbit. And right. 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 He still eats rabbit food. Yeah. It's not like he's he's not eating you know, kryptonite or he's something. He's not letting go of all of his roots. Which you know? oh, Good one. Which in retrospect it was smart because there's no guarantee for a rabbit that when he gets to Mars, rabbit food is going to be available. Right. So, so, you're, so you're assuming he brought it with. I think that's probably safe. I mean, he brought a carrot with. Yeah. Unless it turns out there is, and it's Martian carrots. Yeah. But that's would, up to you. I mean, that's you get to decide that. Well, good. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work right now. So while you're doing that, Graham's got a question for you. Yeah. Okay. So first question, Sam. I imagine it must be easier than most for you to write about rabbits since you yourself are a rabbit mm. in human disguise mm-hmm. and a quick follow-up what is your favorite variety of carrot <laughs> was that a question that i feel like you just made a comment you didn't ask me are you a rabbit in human disguise you said you are one and then you said what did you say what's your favorite kind of carrot is it easier since you are a rabbit to write about rabbits. Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. Um, we went yeah. with a layup question here at the beginning, just an easy one. I think, well, did you, did you mean layup or terrible? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I mean sometimes. That was like the ball getting, uh, you know, like the old Sprite commercial where the person tries to dunk and, you know, gets stuffed by the rim. That's what that question. Are, do you like. think all the guests are going to be this rude? 
But yeah, most likely. To us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tough love. It's tough love. It's just giving well. you a little feedback. You know, I'm just, I'm letting it be as weird as you made it. And so, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I think that in the end, that helps. <laughs> well, going back to the basketball analogy, you can reject that question. You can smack it all the way back across the court then. You know, if well, you're afraid of it. Yeah. If you're, sense, if, you're uh, if you're a coward. Yeah. I'm very scared. I'm, I'm, ter- I'm terrified right now. Um, and that's uh, sort of common in my species. Oh, I've, <laughs> I've said too much. I've said too much. Already. I'm definitely not a rabbit in human form. Uh, Can you prove it? I'm a regular man. With initials. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. All right. Yeah, you proved it. I, yeah. All right. We accept okay. it as a rumor then. Thank you. That's Who knows good. where yeah. it got started or how far it'll go, but, you know, we accept it. Do you, do you guys also just just getting back to my critique of the podcast um <laughs> uh did you realize how hard it is for someone to draw like at my age to to draw and to think about what you're saying especially when the questions are very confusing and some yes. of the, so oh, far, yes, we thought about this we're aware yeah we're it's aware the part it's the point of the show really <laughs> so far the questions haven't been in the form of a question and i'm supposed to be drawing too and so it's been, I'm just saying it's been very tough for me so far, but. Um, well, we are, we are so excited to see the end product and we think the audience is going to be as well. So, I mean, but because you have now complained about the previous questions, we're going to move on to the next question, which is a question from a listener. He's named William and he is age 12 and he wants to know, you know, your books are the great green ember series, Right. That's, how, that's what's on the cover, the great green ember. Yeah. Right. So, so then he, William wants to know what exactly is the green ember? What is it made of and where did it originally come from? Hmm. It's a good question. The problem, David and Graham and William, is if I reveal that, I'm revealing something that's kind of a spoiler in the first book. So I'm not sure how to answer that, except to say that the green ember is like a it's mysteriously tied to the missing and hope for heir of this world called Natalia, this place called Natalia. And it's, it's tied with this sort of lost prince, the legend of this lost prince. And they say, my place beside you, my blood for yours till the green ember rises or the end of the world. And so there's, a, there's some kind of idea like when the green ember rise. And many children have pointed out to me, you know, there's no such thing as a green ember. And I say, well, good point. I'm not a scientist, but uh, I think it'll make sense if you read the book. So, and I want to turn this into a whole sales thing, but uh, William, if you could, you know, throw together a couple of nickels, you know, maybe you could uh, read the book, check it out, see, see, see what you, see what you find out. Let that be a lesson to you. Yeah. Don't I'm not sure. sure. I felt like I should say that. I'm not sure what the, <laughs> not sure exactly what the lesson is. Don't, so that I think that's zero for two on me answering questions. So let's. I know, agree. Those are both very bad answers. All right. Here, here's a couple. You'll, you yeah. know, more at your speed. Apparently. <laughs> uh, all right. So Balian, age ten, says first a comment. This book was awesome, and then a question. Which do you think he means of the fourteen books that Sam's that's written? A good question. Let's go with the first. How long did it take you to write it? And then William asks a similar question. How long does it take for a book to be published? Cool. Those are interesting questions, William. And who is the other person? Balian. Balian. Nice. I love that name. I'm using it in a story. Excellent. Um, 
So how long? The Green Ember, the first book, took about a year and a half, but I wasn't writing for part of that time. My my, my father actually got really sick, and so I was I was off writing for, I don't know, six to eight months or so. I didn't do much. So I, I think most of my books have taken maybe like, I don't know, some of them have been pretty fast, but most of them I'd say probably six months or so to write. And then to publish, we do all our own stuff. So it's it's a lot faster than a traditional publisher would do. On average, it's like maybe a year from when I start writing it, we, maybe we'll publish it. That might be a good average of the nine books. Thank you for the credit for 14, but um, not there yet. But I'll tell you one story. There was one book I wrote called The Last Archer, which is a really short book. But from the day I started writing it to the day it was in readers' hands was, I think, 30 days. Oh, wow. 30 some days. It was, now I'm really scared that I'm getting it wrong, but it was unbelievably short. Like Zach Franzen did the cover art in one week and wrote it really fast. And I don't think it's terrible. Actually, I like it a lot. It's one, it's one of my favorites. So anyway, including it's probably one of my favorite covers, but so sometimes it's really fast, but usually it takes a little while depending on the length and depending on, you know, how free I am. So you kind of answered this, but Finn, who's eight, he wants to know, why did you start writing The Green Ember? What, what was the, what was the thing? What was the impetus for, so, for actually putting pen to paper or, how, or however you write? Um, I use charcoal in uh, mm. cake. Charcoal and cave walls has been my so far. He's probably running low on cave walls. <laughs> yeah. If you know yeah. any, if you know anybody, let me. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the market. He's using old mines in West Virginia, mine shafts. That's true. Repurposing. Um, so I was uh, telling stories to my daughter, who was just a little toddler at the time, and I used to just tell her a bunch of different kinds of stories. And one day we were on our porch, and there were rabbits hopping around in the yard, and I just started telling her a story about an older sister rabbit and a younger brother rabbit. And that's how the green ember started. And she really loved it. And I loved it. So we just kept doing it and it kind of grew and grew and grew. And so for many years, I would tell them stories like in this little serial about the, these two rabbits who originally were named Hannah and Joe, um, named after my kids, Anne and Josiah. But uh, at some point pretty early on, we changed that to Heather and Pickett. And they, that's how the story started. And, and eventually they convinced me to write it down. So that was very specifically, the green number is very specifically for my kids, uh, stories that started for my kids, which is kind of common. A lot of people, I think, um, do that. And, and um, I did it too, because I'm a copycat. <laughs> and I recommend copy, copycattery. Copycattery. That's a good word. Thank you. You should use that as the name of a character, copycattery. Copycattery. It could be a dog. I think that would be appropriate. Pretending to be a cat. Uh, both Evelyn and Anne asked this question. Who is your favorite character in the series? Well, that's interesting. So yesterday, I, I, I get a lot of letters from kids. And actually, you guys have been in my office. You've probably seen these boxes. And I'm totally inundated. So yesterday, I was trying to catch up. And I opened probably about 60 letters from kids. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't believe how many of them have the character of Helmer, like I have so many pictures of the character of Helmer. People love him and I love him too. He's probably, he, so he's way up there in my estimation, but probably my favorite is probably the character Heather. She's the main point of view character in the whole story. And I think she's probably the most like me. Both Pickett and Heather have all my weaknesses. So I'm sympathized with both of those main characters, but I think Heather's up there, but then also I really like Helmer a lot too. So. And she wants to know whether you have the whole, you know, when you started writing the books, how much of it did you have planned out? Did you have the whole series planned out? Did you know how all the characters' story arcs were going to end? Did you just have the first book planned out? Or did you not know anything as far as, you know, thinking ahead? 
So the stories I told my kids, the climax of that story was the climax of the green ember. So uh, that's what I knew when I was writing the first book. Okay. And then as that went, before we published the first book, I knew a lot about the second book. But actually, when I wrote the green ember, I wasn't sure I was going to write another book. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I thought, well, I want it to sort of be like Star Wars. Feels like a good ending, but there's still, you know, Darth Vader's still out there and there's still more to more to come. I wanted it to feel like you could go on. You didn't have to. But then when actually we, we actually finished the story, it, it, it needed to needed more. So I knew I knew a fair amount. And then I just grew and grew and knowing and knowing. And I sort of learned as, as it went on the last two books. When I was writing the second, third and fourth books of the main series, I, I sort of knew where we were going in the big picture in the end. So I planned and outlined some. I don't really outline, but I sort of write some beats down. And then uh but I'm always prepared to be surprised. I'm always prepared to let the story go a different direction. So I, I sort of have an idea and then I'm, I'm, uh, it's adaptable uh, as I go. So I have a quick question, a follow-up question for you before Graham shares another one with a, with a listener. Because as someone who also likes to write, I'm always curious about how, what pe- people's processes are. And I bet there's a lot of kids who are listening who want to be storytellers too. And so I'm curious if there's any tricks or tips that you have, and I don't mean that it necessarily makes it easier, but do you have any advice for people in terms of, you know, <clears throat> say you're sitting on your porch and an idea comes to you or you're in your workshop and something comes to you? Do you how do you keep track of all those things? Because, you know, you probably have a good imagination and, you know, you don't want to lose stuff. Do you keep a notebook? Do you, do you have a big cave wall that you just put your ideas on? What, what do you do to keep track of that sort of thing? This is why I live in a cave because right there, right there, right. ready to... Just caves just ready to go. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, if you're away from that, you get an idea, then you're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? It's, it's fair. Especially as I get older, I don't remember stuff as well. So I, I feel like it's really important to write stuff down. So I, I've got ideas written on scraps of paper from like every job I've ever had, the backs of menus from the small talk cafe, uh, little notes from bearing, you know, with, with stationary, with bearing and sprocket companies and from all kinds of different old jobs I've had. I've got ideas all over the place. Um, sometimes in this modern age, which I, maybe is not the best idea, but if I don't have any other option, I'll like email myself ideas, which is probably not the best way. I probably need to find some kind of app or something that, that's better than that. But I don't know why I, I feel like that's going to be a good, a good idea. And then I'll, then I'll sort of, col- I'll take it from the email and then I'll kind of collect it into sort of my different um, stacks. So I'm working on a story about this world called the Haven. So all that stuff kind of goes into this Haven file on my computer uh, eventually. And then, you know, more green ember stuff, that's another place. And then the found boys is over here. And then all, you know, the different sort of ideas I have, they'll, they'll kind of go into their different places. The green writer, I'll put, you know, if I got ideas about that, I've got this whole big file about that sort of stuff. So I kind of have these collections of places and I totally recommend that partly because what really for storytelling, especially what I think what, what makes it, well, this is Orson Scott card said this. He, he, he talks about people often think that I've got an idea. I have an idea and now I'll tell a story and that's great. But what, what often happens is if you have like two great ideas and they, maybe even if they seem different, like rabbits, um, Mars, you know, and you put them together, then you've got something that's kind of interesting or different or especially something that's kind of ironic or different. Even if you think about the green ember, that's kind of an ironic title. It catches the eye, catches the imagination a little bit, but like two different sort of things come together. The green ember is not really subject wise. The title is, has got that kind of idea. But if you think about two different cool things that you're coming up with, sometimes when you put them together, like, Oh wow, that really works. That's really magical. So yeah, keeping track, writing stuff down, letting those ideas sort of cross pollinate 
and uh, maybe you'll, maybe I'll come up with something really special. You know, that makes a lot of sense because just the other day I was having an idea for a, a, a series of stories. It's about a family of swords that use rabbits as weapons. Hmm. And I, that, that kind of, you know, how, what you're talking how about. How would a sword hold a rabbit? Which begs the question now that I think about it. And we did get this question. How do rabbits hold swords if they don't have thumbs? I mean, I think this is one of the great misconceptions. And uh, yeah, I'm disappointed in you guys that you've fallen for this sort of propaganda of the uh, <laughs> anti. He seems uh, very serious. I don't know why we left. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, I mean, we can this this interview could be over at, at any moment. You know, I've seen a lot of people storming out uh, videos from from uh, interviews. And I mean, that could happen. That could be on your. Listen, you know, this, we got the question from like seven kids is their fault. It's not our fault. <laughs> yeah, classic. Blame the kids. That's yeah. that's. It's real mature. This, this uh, yeah. drawing is really coming along. I think you're going to be pretty impressed. Can't wait. All right. Here's a question from Jocelyn. She's 10. She says, quote, how did you come up with all the good lines? My place beside you, the one about the salt and the trustworthy scout. These sayings have become some of my favorite quotes. Oh. Who wow. said that? Who's the questioner? Jocelyn. Jocelyn, thank Maybe you. Maybe we should question her taste. <laughs> well, she seems pretty straight on to me. I don't know. <laughs> so how do you come up with all the good lines? So if you're, if you're a writer and you're a storyteller, I, don't, I think it's the wrong thing to focus on because I think it's like getting into a, a – say you're a basketball player and you get into the game like, I'm going to do a great move in this game. Like that's kind of the wrong thing to think about. Like you have to – I think you have to prepare yourself – to be able to execute in those moments by a lot of practice. So we, we think of it as something like, oh, I'll just do this because I like to see it. Um, I'll go out and I'll dunk a basketball or I'll make 10 three-pointers in a row or, or I'll write a great scene or I'll have something. Like you have to, you know, there's no shortcut. So Keep reading, keep writing, like, you know, uh, watch interesting things, get your mind full, like pack your own sort of heart, your own imagination with things. And if you're an interesting person, which I'm guessing you are, Jocelyn, like just keep feeding that, like your own soul, your own heart. And uh, with if you like funny stuff or interesting things or stuff that's kind of epic, like the, the things that you appreciate, you kind of you kind of take those on board. And then, you know, as you're telling a story, you've got to try to tell a good story. And then what happens is in the moments in those stories where you let those characters be alive, you let those characters be what they are, you sort of discover them. And then you get really curious about them. So you get curious about this cook, like what kind of a person would be a cook in this um, secret citadel with a bunch of rabbits like, oh, oh, he's so he would eat a lot. So he's kind of a portly guy running around. He would have a he would, he would be very demanding. So he might have like a short temper and and then he would be sort of yelling at these people like what? And you just ask yourself questions, questions, questions. Where did he come from? Why is he like this? What kind of things would he say? And there's a part of you that has like a really good sense of humor or something. And and that just kind of comes out through those through that curiosity about that character. And the same thing with sort of epic or big kind of things, you kind of think of like, well, what happened? Why did this begin? You know, why did Patrick Henry say, give me liberty or give me death? Like, and why do we remember that? Why do we remember, you know, four score and 
seven years ago. Like, why do we remember these great moments? And you think any kind of culture, as you're sort of building the backstory of your world, as you're kind of thinking about it, and really building backstory, you're just being curious. So if you if you have if you're writing a story about a a rabbit on Mars, like what, how did he get there? Like what kind of a personality would do that? And you got to think of them as people. So like, what? Why would he be there? Like, would he be a, like a very boring? unadventurous person? No, he wouldn't. So maybe he would, you know, well, how would he, how did he grow up? What mm-hmm. were his parents like? Maybe his mom was, and it was, was somebody that was like very extroverted and he, he got a lot of, you know, inspiration from her. Anyway, that kind of a thing. You got to think about it and you got to be curious. About do you write all that down? Like, do you create a document that tells you everything you need to know about this character as you're inventing it? Or do you just kind of sit and think about it while you're sitting in a garden chair or driving down the highway? Yeah, I don't. I think a lot of people do write it down. That's probably better. Um, but I, I, I usually don't. Uh, or I usually haven't. I, I might write little notes about. Like, yeah. So it just kind of sinks in and becomes part of your storytelling as yeah, as you're thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. So it's not I'm like afraid- a formula. Right. I kind of find them like a lot of people love again people like Helmer or Gort or um, uh, Ifa Potter or Maggie Weaver like these some characters from the Green Ember like they were just there. Like they had to be there. There, there has to be characters in a place. And then if you once you see them, I think it's sort of a combination of images. I see an image, and I like, oh, there's a brooding rabbit in the corner. Like, why is he brooding? What's his history? What happened to him? Why is he like this? You know, it's so I think about them in terms of like how their backstory will sort of flow into the character, the, the main character's story. And it's it's hmm. really just curiosity. Like it, hmm. I, it, maybe it sounds complicated, but it's letting your imagination go. Like that's what's fun about it. You're inventing, but invention, I think for storytellers often feels like discovery. So you, so you are trying to just discover like, well, what happened to these people? And characters are more interesting to me than setting, but, but they sort of go together. Like they, they, they sort of, um, they sort of help each other out. But really, if you don't have interesting characters, then you kind of nobody cares about the setting or the mm-hmm. world. So you kind of got to got to find those those interesting characters. And what happens in interesting characters? Like th- things have happened. Like th- they do things or they've done things. Like and you think about in terms of what has happened and what that that kind of shapes what what you are. Because you can imagine like I'm going to be like this or I'm I'm a nice person or whatever. But if you're my dad only said what you think you do is not what you do. What you do is what you do. And so uh, characters are formed and judged by what they do and what they've done. So since we're talking about the kind of process of writing and, and the activity of writing itself right now, I want to bring up one question here from Morgan, who, who it says here, she's an aspiring writer. And she wants to know if you have any tips for how to keep with and finish a story or book you're writing. I do. Yeah. I, well, it depends. So if you're young, Morgan, and you're, you're, you're thinking, sometimes I think we, we get paralyzed by this idea of like, I'm going to write this big, epic, sweeping fantasy series. It's going to be seven volumes. And I'm thinking of this world for this and this one. And we get a lot of like planning and research. And, and sometimes that can be fine in, in a little bit, but that's actually often an obstacle to writing. What I would try to do is try to write the simplest, clearest, shortest story you can. Have mm. a beginning, have a middle, have an end. Write the end, you know, make it a thousand words, make it 500 words, make it a hundred words. Like this happened. And there was this conflict. It got resolved this way. The end. Move on. Like, so it is very important, I think, to try to, if you're kind of moving on in your journey as a writer, to try to get to the point where you are writing the end, where you are finishing things. 
uh, what we we get, we sort of pull ourselves into thinking this thing that I'm thinking of right now is the big one. It's my big idea. So that actually paralyzes us because oh, I'm never going to think of something better than the rabbit on Mars. So I have to like put all my energy into this. And I have to make it perfect. And then I've got to really, I'm, now I'm really taking time to name the worlds. I'm taking time to do this. And a lot of that stuff is just distraction. It's just not, it's not what we need to do. So, hmm. so go ahead and use it. You will have more ideas. Ideas are cheap. Uh, that's almost every real like professional or whatever writers that you admire understand that, you know, the ideas will come. Don't be super, super precious about them. Like write that story, finish it, and then move on. It's probably not the thing yet. So mm. have like some humility about it. Really, really cultivating humility about your storytelling is super, super important. Like not being precious. That's a, that, those kind of, you know, those kind of people, who have thick skin and a soft heart can kind of take feedback and keep going. They don't get shattered by every little like, well, you know, honey, you're, you know, the, the, you've got an awful lot of really big adjectives in here, but the story's not necessarily moving along. Like, Oh no, don't tell me that. Like if you can't, you've got to be able to take some feedback. So mm. if you want to kind of go to the next level, it's the same thing with like, like sports or whatever. If you, you have to have coaches, you have to have, you have to be able to go, you have to have, be able to have feedback. So if you just want to sort of express yourself and have a, like a little journal or something that nobody else sees, you can do whatever you want. But if you're writing for people, which I think, which I recommend writing for people you love uh, as a gift, um, then there's a little bit of a higher standard. You got to kind of, you've got to bring something, you got to bring some humility to it. And you've got to mm. like bring some excellence that requires you to like get tough in some ways. Mm. You only want to keep your soft heart, but you got to get tough um, about on yourself and you got to keep moving. You can't, you can't be precious and you can't just like endlessly, um, uh, you know, so-called research. You got to, you get, you got to, you got to get to work. Um, mm. and so short, quick, get after it, keep moving and grow, 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 grow. You'll get better and better and better. And your audience will uh, be better served for that. Yeah. You don't need to force something to become a novel right away. I, I would definitely recommend not doing that. Yeah. yeah. What's next? I think that's great advice. Um, Ian is wondering uh, why the squirrels, the chipmunks, some of the other creatures were not allied with the rabbits. Okay. So initially when I first wrote the green ember, I thought about those other characters and I thought, well, you know, that, that, that would make sense. If you're in a woodland sort of world, there would be other species and that kind of thing. But the more I got further into it, I just thought that that's not, I'm not interested by that. That's not the kind of story I'm telling. I'm not telling a story about the natural world that is realistic as in like a man might walk in or a car might drive through or something. I really don't want, that's not the kind of story I'm telling. So I don't want, it's not a rabbity story in that sense. It's not watership down. It's, it's a, these rabbits are stand-ins for people in many ways. They have personality. And I want if there was a world where there were rabbits, I would, I think I really want to focus on what their natural predators are in this really isolated kind of way, birds of prey, wolves, and sort of keep it at that for the most part. So I am, I know a lot of people are like, well, what if, you know, what, what if you had a squirrel and what if, you know, I'm, that's not really the kind of story I'm telling. So I'm trying to focus again. I think clarity is charity. And I think the most charitable, the most generous thing I can do for, for my audience is to kind of try to tell the kind of story that is as clear as possible that has 
GK Chesterton said art consists in drawing the line somewhere. And I think that's really important. Like that we, we get, you got to put a fence around what you're doing. So you've got to have some borders. You got to have some clarity, some lines where you're just like, this is the kind of thing I'm doing. This is what I'm not doing. A lot of art, a lot of storytelling is basically not doing everything. It's mm. getting a little clear about what you're doing, which actually it's kind of a lesson in all of life. Like um, most of life is saying no uh, to, to almost everything so that you can say a big yes to the things you're called to and the things that, that, that you enjoy. Hmm. So that's part of, that was a big philosophical answer for a question of like, no, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not interested in the squirrels and other creatures. And I want to focus on the rabbits, focus on them as, as people. Hmm. Should we go rapid fire? Yeah, let's do a couple of rapid fire questions. Can, can we just, a, just a suggestion. Can we slow it down go even slower? Instead of the rapid, like, you mean yeah. like you want us to talk much slower? Yeah. So more that... boring with the answers, I think, in, in longer, longer, more philosophical. No, well, no. we we're not suggesting that you're being boring. I mean, you're the one that said that. I, I like this idea, though. A whole segment of just slow answered questions. Very, but very should slow. we all talk slow, or should we have our editor slow things down <laughs> after the fact? <laughs> you want to go first, or should I? All right, first rapid fire question. From Titus, age five, why did you make the Eagles bad? They are so cool. I can just answer this for Sam. Sam is just anti-bird, right? Mm-hmm. True. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, what's happening in my house right now is for the last like week, we've had on our TV the live stream of uh, Big Bear, California, uh, an eagle's nest. And we've been watching these two eagles taking care of these these their, their birds. So uh, that would indicate that possibly I'm not as quite as anti-bird as possible. Well, at least somebody in your home is not anti, anti-bird. Right. That's true. Well, I control the remote control. I'll just tell you that. I'm, well, we're traditional in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not Fair. anti-bird. I just, that just works for the story. Okay, so of these books, which is your favorite? The Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Hobbit, this particular questioner separates those two, or The Chronicles of Narnia. You have to choose one of those three for a deserted island reading getaway. <laughs> well, now let's talk about deserted island. Is, is, it a, is it a desert island or is it a deserted island? I, I think it's a dessert. Well, what if, what if, let's just say you're on an island eating dessert, and while you're eating dessert, you can read one of these books. One of those books. Okay. So it's Ice Cream Sunday plus one of these books. Okay, and I'm I'm not even going to throw in the wrinkle of my lactose intolerance because I, I was afraid of that. That would just that would just sideline. What's the your favorite time. dessert? Uh, chocolate chip cookies. Okay, so you're eating like 13 chocolate chip cookies. You're eating a baker's dozen of chocolate chip cookies, and then you have to choose which of these books you're going to read: the Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Hobbit, or the Chronicles of Narnia series. It's the Lord of the Rings every time. Well, I mean, for the one time, I should say it's not every time. Every this time for the one time. This time, yeah, yeah. Yes. We got it. Uh, Sabrina, aged eight, says, what do you like to read? Um, I really like... Uh, Just the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, we got that. And the book I read. Um, yeah, I, I, I like history a lot. And so there are some naval, like Napoleonic era uh, naval uh, adventures that are sort of fiction, but are really rooted in history that I really, really love. Like Horatio Hornblower? Yeah, well, like Master and Commander, like oh, yeah, they're, yeah. they're yeah. a little bit more for grown-ups, like especially early on in there. So, but I, I like those kinds of so things. So, talk to your parents before you go getting them from the <laughs> library. Yeah, I, I like history, and 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 I like um, I, I don't know, I love things like Cry the Beloved Country and To Kill a Mockingbird, those kinds of things. But I love, um, I do love fantasy. I love G.K. Chesterton, and I love Tolkien and Lewis, and and I, I like sci-fi too. Um, you know, it's hard, hard, sometimes hard to find good, good sci-fi, but. 
I like it. If you were a character in the Green Ember, who would you be? Heather, but a boy and not a rabbit. I mean, yes, I guess I would be a rabbit. How did your kids react to the major events through the books? Well, when we were doing them in person, you know, they, they really loved it. And that was a cool experience for me because, you know, when you're an author, you don't, it's not like being a musician where you play a concert and you can kind of look out and see people's faces. Oh, they're singing along. Oh, they love the song. You know, when you're an author, you're writing uh, usually alone and it's kind of a different dynamic. You, you can maybe hear back from some people about, uh, and I've had the privilege of hearing from a lot of people. That's been awesome, but you don't see it in person. But when I was telling my kids the story, I got to see it like live and in person, I got to see, their reactions especially like the climax of the green ember man that is so memorable to me because the kids their eyes were wide and everyone was just everyone got silent and and we were all like wow that was fun that was so awesome and that was a really special day mm. I'm trying to be quick i'm trying to do rapid fire it's hard it's not in me <laughs> uh do you have a plan to write more books in the green ember universe yes I do. I want, uh, Lord willing, if I if I live, I want to write the Prince Lander and the Dragon War, which will be the last or the third of the um, Tales of Old Natalia. And then I've got some sort of secretish plans beyond that. Our right, last last question before we get into our uh, wait, our we're just we're just running right by that that statement with secret plans. We're not going to probe them. I mean, I assume that he meant it when he said secret. Fine, okay. Well, I mean, go no, go ahead. No, let's want, let's, let's keep it a secret. Keep it. Yeah. Secret, yes. secrets what's the what's the thing Keep i just wanted to see how oh. sam was going to reject us when we asked and just oh, spill the beans right you know? do you want us do you want to break some news here on the podcast mr uh, Esty? Um, no I no okay all right speaking of news being broken here on the podcast uh someone here asked will there be a green ember movies and will you help write the script uh possibly and possibly yeah uh, we're we're working on that kind of thing um i'm more hopeful now than i've ever been we've, we've got some amazing partners i don't think it'll be a movie i think it'll probably be a series uh but i think it's good. it is a decent chance um it won't be for a little while but yeah I'm, uh maybe i'll come back on and break the news on that someday he broke the news that he's hopeful that he's optimistic I like it yeah. yeah well let's let's move on to our final well for should we make him show the picture now or we could show it to us. Can yeah. you show us the picture so we can ridicule? I mean, so we can see it. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Can you can you put your signature on that for us? Uh, I can. I'm, I'm capable of that. I, we need Way to make to go, sure, we need to make sure that there's a signature on that one so that everyone knows that it was you and not Zach Franzen. Um, <laughs> it is hard to tell. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do here at the end of the sh- at the end of our little conversation with you, we're going to play a game with each of our guests, and you're the first person who who you know has ever had to endure this, this great fun that we're about to have together. We're going to play Balderdash. We have a word that was chosen by a young listener. It's a fun word. It's a weird word. I'm going to say the word out loud. And then the three of us are each going to write down what we think the definition of that word is. And we're going to figure out if any of us know what we're talking about. And you win. If you win this little game, you win. You don't have to come on next week. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. That's the, that's the prize. I'm so motivated. Is it work for you guys too? Do I have to take over one of you, one of your jobs? Like to I, I hadn't thought about it before I said that out loud. So yeah, I think know. we're all in agreement. Though. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, I think I would probably do a better job. So that, I think that's, it's be good for the podcast. I think if I, it, it, I it, in many ways, it probably would be better for the podcast if you were on a permanent fixture. Yes. Okay. I think the, the, the best part about this podcast is going to be while the, the 10 minutes 
the complete silence, but except for like little scribbles while the three of us are writing down our, our, our definitions. We, we definitely have a plan for that, Sam. We, we, okay. we, we are aware of how fun that's going to be and we are going to make it so much more fun. Yeah, good, good. So good. We, have a little, we have a little printer though, a machine that spits the word out for us and you remembered to add some fuel to it, right? Uh, the, the, the word spitter outer? You, you were, oh, um, well, I put orange juice in it. Oh, I, I mean, Graham. Do you think it'll still work? Well, let's, we're going to find out right now. So um, bear with us. Let's, let's just press the button. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Doesn't sound right. Not That's sound not good. how it's supposed to work. Um, okay, just, just, we're going to just, just need a minute. Yeah. So we'll be back in a minute. Please stand by. Okay, so we're back, and uh, Graham screwed up, and the machine is not going to work, but we still can get the word. You know, next time, just just maybe put the fuel in the printer. Got uh, it, yep. Please. Put the this thing is, in the thing. Yeah. This is yep. giving new meaning to the, the term, it's difficult to get the word out, you know? You're, you're trying to get the word out. Some people were born to be writers, Yeah. Look at this. and then some people spent their whole life learning, and that's and him. some people were born to be dads. <laughs> yeah, man, that's true. So speaking of dad, dads, I don't know how this has anything to do with dads. The word this time, this week is, are you ready for it? Let's go. And our word is Widdershins. W-I-D-D-E-R-S-H-I-N-S. You have some small amount of time to come up with a definition for that. And then we are going to see who's closest to the actual one. Widdershins. Widdershins. W-I-D-D-E-R-S-H-I-N-S. Widdershins. And we're back, ready to share our definitions for the word Widdershins and see if we can come anywhere close to what the actual definition to this word of the week actually is. Graham Pittman is going to go first, luck of the draw and so forth. Graham Pittman, what does Widdershins mean? Well, I'm pretty sure I nailed this one. So Widdershins, uh, I assume this was a noun. So I think it means specialized boots that allow you to walk through quicksand without sinking. So, you know, you're off to the Forbidden Forest or, you know, wherever. And your mom's mm. like, don't forget the Widdershins. You're like, oh, good. you know, I was just going to wear these silly boots. But yeah. I was just going to wear my Crocs. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's, that's compelling. And yeah. you know what? If that's wrong, there needs to be such a thing invented. Yeah. I feel so like. NASA, FBI, you know, whoever. Whatever agencies need to team up to make this happen. Mm. We could get Sam to name it if that's the wrong one. Because Sam's. Sam's good at naming things we've already uh, We'll call them Widdershins regardless. That's fair. Okay. All right. So I'm next. And my definition for Widdershins, I, you know, you said you nailed this. If I also felt like I nailed this, and given that we don't have the same definition, that seems impossible. Mm-hmm. So I'm very conflicted and confused about what I thought was a successful definition. But I believe that Widdershins is the bruise that happens when a little old lady kicks you in the legs after you've jumped over her fence to get your lost boomerang. Nah, you're right. You got to be right. Sam, he doesn't think Sam so. Doesn't well, he's very right, certain yeah, that well. I'm wrong. So what's your definition then, S.D. Smith, Mr. S.D. Dr. Smith? Well, Sam? I think we all know uh, that the guy with the initials is probably going to be right on this, just given history. Um, no, we did talk about that earlier. That's called full circle right there. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a callback. Um, Wittershins, uh, everyone knows this, who's studied in kind of any kind of organic or, you know, uh, geographical science. Wittershins are the graying tufts of organic moss dung grown on the underside of high Icelandic cliffs. Um, You know, as in like, uh, oh no, Sven fell into the Wittershins again. You know, get the hose. Well, he could have, if he, he needed some Wittershin boots. I mean, maybe that's why they started calling them Wittershin boots. Yeah, and it's just a misnomer when they, you know, yeah, with translation, moss, quicksand. Over mm-hmm. time, yeah, yeah. yeah, over time, yeah. Just the, the words deteriorate, you know. Yeah, mm. evolve, especially when it involves boomerangs and fences and old ladies kicking you and so forth. I'm not sure how that plays into this. That's a major devolution, like way down, yeah, mm. at, that, at that point, yeah. Okay, all right, here's the big reveal. And... You're going to be devastated. Oh. You might you you weren't right, but I were, I were right. Who are you, you weren't to? you weren't right. Well, all of us, none, none of us were right. It's much it's much less. Oh, the plural, it's much less interesting. The plural you 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 know in the south, which you guys are southern more southern than me. You, we say y'all y'all, y- y- y'all y'all plus yeah y'all plus me. So we us, all we all wall wall wall. Wittershins is just a f- more fun way of saying counterclockwise or in a direction contrary to the sun's course considered as unlucky. Uh, that's what I, I think that's what I said. I think that's what I said. And there's no way to check. So <laughs> There's no way to check the tape no. on the podcast. What do I win? <laughs> I'm so mean- confused how that happened. Why does he get to win something now? Does that mean we all have to host the program again? Or, uh... or none of us. Or maybe we should just keep the status quo as is and see what happens next time. So Wittershins, counterclockwise. Let's use that in and, a sentence. But specifically considered as unlucky. Ah. Yeah, Mr. Ryder over there, can you, can you give us a sentence that involves the use of the word Wittershins before we let you go? Well, sure. I mean, I was trying to bring them in a cattle pen there, but everybody got all Wittershins about it. And they went back to front and uh, RC versi and everything's uh, wrong now. Yep, yep. Well, with that... <laughs> I think we should probably just end it on that note. Mr. <laughs> SD, Dr. Sam Smith, this has been a great time. We thank you so much. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions. Uh, you, because of your initials, have become quite popular. And it's been an honor and a, and a pleasure to get to know you, to be... Can, can we... Is it too much to say we, we feel like we're friends? Or well, would that be overstepping? We're friendly. Yeah, we're friendly. We, yeah, we get along okay when we talk to each other. Before this podcast, I think we were on pretty good terms, but I, I think this was a setback, honestly. For, so we're back our, to initials. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I, it's been an honor to be on this initial episode. Mm. When we knew we were doing this podcast, we knew that we had to have you on the, on the uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. The initial one. I got it. I'm with you. I was just ignoring it, but you know. <laughs> this was fun. Thanks, kids. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for forcing me to draw a rabbit on Mars, uh, Rowan and, uh, and for all the, the hijinks and Wittershins. I got, I love that word. That is a wonderful word. I'll be thinking about that for a while. So this, I'm, I feel, I think we all took something away from today. All right. So Sam, at the end of every episode, we want to give you the opportunity to invite publicly somebody to come on this podcast. It could be an author, an illustrator, somebody who you think should come on, talk to us, have a great time. Is it like a space law that they actually have to come on to the podcast? Well, we'll, we will use, you know, all methods 
that we yeah. think appropriate right to convince them you know you can't like bring someone back from the dead if i were to like say c.s lewis or something like that you we i mean look you, ne- you there's only one way to find out what would happen you do what you can you, yeah you, okay but well, your success rate is probably lower so you may not want to do that yeah okay well i don't want to uh i think there's some there's pro- prohibitions about some of that stuff too about the, you know, <laughs> that's true especially on ghosts on children's podcast and so forth it's probably like yeah, yeah. It's, i don't know what kind of yeah yeah i don't know what the rating is on this thing but, call us uh, old-fashioned yeah <laughs> i the the author who i think would be fantastic for this uh and who i would like to punish in this way is i would like to nominate and challenge and throw down the gauntlet i i wish it we were in person so i could slap him with my my gauntlet uh but that is glenn mccarty mm. glenn mccarty author of The Misadventured Summer of Tumbleweed Thompson. Fantastic mm. writer. Great book. Guy. He, I think he'd be a great, great guest. And I want to see if he can draw uh, as well as me. Glenn McCarty, consider yourself challenged. Wow. Well, that was so much fun. Sam is just a wonderful person to talk to, and he's a great friend. And if you've never read his books, I hope that the conversation that you just heard makes you want to go out and get them. It makes me want to read them all over again. And and of course, we all know that it was the tooth. Oh, no, it wasn't the tooth. It was the one, the one book on Audible and it's available on Audible. So if you've never, if you have never listened to it, if you've never read it, you have options and you should definitely check it out because these are great books. Agreed. So thanks to Sam for coming on, but we're not quite done yet. We have one more thing that we're going to do at the end of every episode here on Withy Wendell. Graham, what is that segment going to be? We are going to end every episode with a riddle. So we will present a riddle. We will not give you the answer to that riddle until the next week. So we'll make you wait a little bit. But it gives you time to think, right? It gives you time to try to figure it out. It gives you time to ask your neighbor. That's well, true. I don't know. Are they allowed to ask their neighbor? Um, they can work with their neighbor, but they have to promise. They have to promise. They have to vouch that they will not look it up online. Okay. How about in honor of Sam from West Virginia? They can ask any neighbor on their western side. Okay. But not okay. on the east side. Okay, no east side neighbors. And we will know. Don't ask how. Don't it doesn't matter. It doesn't don't worry about it. Don't don't yeah, it's not even worth thinking about. But we'll know. We we can see it when when the emails come through. We're just like, ah, this person Easterly. Look, it's it's true. Got that from an Easterner. Yep. And let's just say they say that honesty is the best policy. It's true. It's especially true on riddle segments on podcasts. Yes. Yes, we will not know if you cheated, but you will know, right? That's true. That Yes, that is true. In your soul. You know what, Graham? I feel like these riddles are going to be really hard. Anybody who gets it right should be entered into a chance to win something. It can't just be for, for pride. For, for glory. For, for glory, yeah. I mean, since All when right. was... Hey, do you have an idea, or are you just... Well, you know, we, this is a bookstore. We're in the basement of a bookstore right now. And... Get, we'll give them a basement. I see where you're going. Here's the thing about basements. Hard to ship... But Hard if they to want to ship. come here, they could pick it up. They could pick. They could try to pick it up. Right. So if you get it right, you win the opportunity to try to pick up a basement. Are this basement or just anybody's basement? I feel like I can't give away other people's basements. Okay. Okay. Or even give away the opportunity to pick it up. Right. So maybe right. we should do this one. But we also have books. It might be more feasible to just send a book to one of the people who gets maybe it right. a book from uh whoever we'd interviewed that day okay that's a great idea what if we get them to sign it well let's we can't commit to well that, what if we, we try to get them to sign it well we'll try and what if we sign it uh, <laughs> if they say no uh 
or if we're, if we're just not able to get it, then yeah, we'll sign it and we'll sign it as them. Right. And then we'll put a frowny face just to prove that it wasn't actually them signing it. It's like yeah. our marker that they I didn't actually this. sign it. I want this. I'm going to enter. Can I enter? Well, you know, you can enter. I know the email you can address. enter when I give the riddle. This week, you're going to give the first riddle. So you can't enter your own riddle contest. I, can I, I like. enter and choose uh, who wins? Well, okay. So what we'll do, let's do this. We'll have one book to give away. So let's say 20 people get it right and they email us the right answer. Ah, uh, that's, a, that's a tricky we'll thing. Choose, we'll choose one of those people at random and we'll let you choose. We could put it in the machine. <laughs> we could put it in the machine. Nah, you, let's not put it in the machine. That machine is really really tough to work let's not put yeah let's yeah. not let's and put you it in a, particular have a hard time with it well yeah I, i'll admit it but okay so let's let's use our machines called computers that don't give us as much trouble <laughs> as this particular machine and do a random number generator that picks a number and each person who gets the right answer will have a number from once to whatever it is okay so what we'll do is if you you know if jamie smith if she puts and sends the right answer in, then we might give her a number three. And if we draw a number three, then yeah. she wins the signed book. Essentially, she face. goes into the uh, the right answer hat. Exactly. And we pull out of that hat. Exactly. Except we don't have... We, we do have a hat. We could use a real hat. Should we, the, we're just going to make it as complicated as possible because that's what we do. And that brings us to... The riddle. This week's riddle. So imagine, listener, yourself as a traveler... Wandering through the hills. Is this a scary riddle? I don't know. I, no, it is not. Okay. So why are you trying to mess me up? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Imagine yourself. I'm trying not to get scared. As a traveler walking through the hills, you're getting tired. The road is rough. Hmm. You come upon a town finally. Walking through the streets, you're, you don't see anybody around. But all the lights in the houses are off. Street lights are off. And you hear somebody walking towards you. And mysteriously, he says to you... I thought you said it wasn't scary. If you can guess how many fingers I am holding up, you win a free book. (laughs) 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 You guess the correct number, which is three. How did you know? Okay, so... You meet this man, you guess the right answer. You've been traveling many, all day. How, you're very tired. How many fingers is he holding up? He asks you, and, and you guess the right answer. Yeah, but there was Despite, no street lights No street on. lights, no house lights or anything. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. If you think you know the answer to this riddle, this mysterious, scary riddle that Graham posited before us, then you should email us. And the email is podcast at goldberrybooks.com. You can get this. You got this. You might have to listen to it a few times. Or maybe you know it now. Maybe you're just laughing to yourself in your, in just your knowledge. Just remember, honesty is the best policy. Okay, and what if, they, what if they email us and it's a wrong answer? Do they get an anti-prize? What would it... <laughs> I don't know. It's like dark matter, right? Mm. I feel like that would be a little harsh. Like we take something away? They're already not going to be getting the opportunity to win a book with a frowny face in the cover. Okay. So... In the, in the title page. So I feel like we don't need to do an anti-prize, but maybe we will do that in the future. Maybe we will. We will have, maybe next episode we'll be having a worse day. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on our mood. Right, we're, exactly. We're, we're very capricious. Another word. Another word. You we, probably, are not, we are not capricious. You should probably keep a journal of words you just hear people use on this podcast. If you 
take that word capricious, learn its meaning. I don't know. I don't know how old you are right now, listener. Are you five? Are you nine? Are you 12? Are you 15? Any of those ages, you start using the word capricious, people are going to be impressed. That's true. You will not get negative. You don't even have to use it correctly. People will be like, oh, wow. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you, know, you should probably just go around and start just saying, man, that guy's capricious. Yeah. And if you do that, you will not get anti prizes. <laughs> you know what? This has been a good time. This brings us to the end of the first episode of Withy Window, and we hope you didn't hate it. I loved it. Oh, wait, you weren't talking to me. No, I was talking to you. Oh, okay. I mean, I assume the listeners, if they hated it, they won't have gotten this far. So True. Yeah. So next week, we will be back, and we will be here with the great Andrew Peterson. Heard of him? He's a, he's a great author. He's written many things. He's also a songwriter. We're going to talk to him next week. We're also going to be discussing those first two chapters of E. Nesbitt's The Railway Children. So make sure you listen or read those and prepare for that conversation. I can't wait to see what he has to draw. Hmm, it's a good point. Well, Graham, this brings us to the end of the first episode of Withy Wendell. We're super honored. The kids would join us. They'd listen. We hope it's a great time. It's, it's uh, you know, we hope that over the next eight weeks you get, you get a lot of pleasure, you get a lot of laughter, and also you learn some things from the authors who we have coming on and from the books that we're discussing. But this is the end of the nonsense. We've got to go. For Graham Pittman, I'm David Kern. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.